1: in this episode of Frontline Fridays with my regular guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you doing?
2: Good morning, Andy. I'm doing great. Oh, that's
1: fantastic. So, um, you know, today we're going to talk about sort of a wide range of topics and really focused around this book that I just read called uh, Not Taught. And it's a book written by a friend of mine, Jim Keenan, a sales guy. People that are in the sales field know that a sales guy has got a big audience and a really interesting, energetic, upbeat guy. And the concept of his book was that really a blueprint for success in the 21st century. You know, it's not specifically a sales book, but there were so many lessons in there for sales and people looking at building their career in sales. I thought it'd be really something fun to talk about.
2: Good. I'm uh, I'm I heard that he was coming out with this book. I know Jim as well. I haven't read it yet. So I'd love to hear from you, Andy, just some of the Key takeaways for us to discuss, and it's uh, definitely on my list.
1: Yeah, well, one of the, the key things he brings up, which I thought was really sort of interesting, because I think there's a sort of push pull um, with individual salespeople, because we, we keep talking, we collectively, sales thought leaders and authors, and uh, about how salespeople have to take responsibility for building the brand of themselves, mm-hmm. right? Is mm-hmm. that, you know, if, if you reach out and you engage with a customer, and you're an account exec, the customer's going to Google you, right? they will to see who you are and what you do and, and who you've worked with in the past and so on. And in the book, Keenan, and we'll call him Keenan because that's how he prefers to be referred to, he talks about this concept of digital anonymity or digital obscurity, right? If, if prospects can't find you and they can't learn about you, then you're at an immediate disadvantage when it comes to being able to sell something. And I know also Jeffrey Gittermer, People know Jeff Goodamer in his books, he also talks about this topic as well, right? You gotta you gotta have your platform, even an individual salesperson. So I guess the question is, you know, as you're building your sales team at Sumo Logic and you've built other places, how do you advise your sales reps relative to this idea of creating their own personal brand? You know, not sharing their personal life necessarily, but creating something about a persona for them as a salesperson.
2: Yeah, it's, it's something actually we talk a lot about at Sumo Logic and in my previous uh, previous companies I worked with, it was important also. And I think to Keenan's point, it's becoming more and more important. There's more noise out there and it's hard to know who or what to trust. You can say anything you want. You, you think about all the wild claims out there about this product can do this or this service is the best at this. So I think people look to the person who they're engaging with to try to gauge how trustworthy is this person and what they're saying. So what I encourage my teams is, yeah, I agree that you have to have, you have to let people know who you are. And the two primary ways that we focus on, there's a lot of different channels, but the two primary channels that we focus on, or maybe there's actually three, Um, One is LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. What do you put on your LinkedIn profile that is relevant to somebody who may be looking to buy something from you? Not as your resume, which is, I think, how a lot of people have thought about LinkedIn, is to put up their resume. And that's very different than creating a profile that is trying to establish credibility and some thought leadership, demonstrate integrity, demonstrate um, sort of concern and mm-hmm. sensitivity to the customers. So I think LinkedIn is one, Twitter is another. Who are you following? What are you commenting on? Um, what do you post? That's another way to find out about someone. And then I guess the the third is when you do interact the the quality the quality of the uh, emails that you send and making really uh, being really careful about. There shouldn't be any spelling errors. Is it concise? Is it relevant? Is it on point? Is it, um, is it personal in some way? And I don't mean personal, like their personal life, but does it relate directly to that person as opposed to something very generic?
1: I think the key thing you, you talk about in there is this sharing, right? We we want sales reps to, I mean, again, talking the collective, we here the Royal, we
0: mm-hmm. want
1: sales reps to be sharing relevant content. And but doesn't necessarily mean that we want them to create this content. But and then, and Gittermer talks about this. He says, "Yeah, hey, if you're selling financial software, why aren't you following people on Twitter that are writing relevant things about the financial industry and financial software and and so on financial institutions? And why aren't you tweeting some of that out every day? Why aren't you sharing that that information?" So, how do you set the guidelines for your people in terms of what information they should share, how much they should share, and how they find this relevant information that they can share through their social channels?
2: It's a good question. And and I think what you're talking about is that sales reps, they don't need to be the creators of the content, but they should be good curators of content that's relevant. So there are a couple of things. We've we've started at, at Sumo Logic of having one central place of articles and news feeds and and blog posts of stuff that we that marketing our marketing team may publish but other industry industry articles so that the reps can pull from that and decide which ones they want to post so so i have some reps that are are focused on let's say gaming or e-commerce or mm-hmm. saas mm-hmm. and so they're going to pull ones that that directly that that directly relate to that. I think also Andy so there's a responsibility that I look for look to marketing to be able to provide. And then the second is is you and I've talked a lot about hiring the right profile of people in the sales role and as the, and is that as sales is changing. So one of the I think qualities and characteristics that I look for in sales reps is a natural curiosity, mm-hmm. being aggressive learners, being out there thinking about it themselves so that they then can go and then share that with others. So we have a big sharing uh, culture here that when you find good stuff, share it with the team so we don't keep reinventing the wheel over and over. But I, but I think some of the responsibility is on the sales reps to find things that are interesting and to be following each other.
1: Exactly. Now, you talk about hiring people and hiring the right people. Is part of what you do is when you're, and we've, again, we've talked about hiring before, but I mean, in the specific instance, are you looking, or maybe, let me rephrase the question, have you had an instance where maybe you've been interviewing someone and you said, oh, you know, actually, I, that's funny. I sort of came across this person, you know, they followed me on Twitter or they commented on a post I made a month or so ago. I mean, have you interviewed candidates that have been that sort of proactive in terms of saying, "Look, I want to get into this field. I'm going to follow these people, at potential employers, and engage with them."
2: So, are you asking if if I have found candidates hmm. kind of through social media and their their um, actions yeah. and interactivity? Yeah, definitely. And and what's interesting about that, as you were asking the question, I was sort of you know scanning my own database of candidates who've come to me recently, and Andy, several of them. I, I had an interview with a woman yesterday who had had been following me on Twitter and she heard me speak somewhere and reached out and said, I'm given your philosophies and what you say and what you're building and your background, I think I could be a good fit for uh, your team at Sumo Logic. And I, I think that's wonderful. Oh, I love it, so, I love it. So it goes both ways. So I have people who approach me and we definitely, we have an awesome recruiting team here and they're very active on social media and scanning Twitter and LinkedIn for people that, that look like they'd be good fits for, for sales roles and also other roles here. So we definitely use social media as a, as a way to find people and also a way to, to vet people. If, people don't get in the door, at least on the sales team, for an interview at Sumo Logic if they don't have a healthy uh, social platform.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really an important point to, to make for people that are listening to this, both as hiring managers and as, as sales reps that are potentially looking for a job, is we're not talking about building your platform just starting it once you get the job. It really starts beforehand, right? If you have an interest in a specific is industry or business type, you know, I was having this conversation with my daughter who's interested in the nonprofit space, a specific area of the nonprofit space, is giving her this advice as you know, hey, she wants to relocate to a different area, so find out what's going on with the people in that area and what they're doing relative to blogging and tweeting and the things they're concerned about and the conversations they're having online and insert yourself in that.
2: I think that's I think that's fantastic advice. Fantastic advice, and I think it's it's good advice, like you said she's looking at the nonprofit field for just about any field sales I think in particular because it's 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 very social and you're having to interact on a daily basis and engage on a daily basis with people that you've never met or don't know or and or want to get to know and introduce your product or service to
1: Mm-hmm. now sometimes I fail though that with again with not to, you know, label people unfairly, but either millennials, actually almost every generation, sir, I find this, if people are new to this. There's this reluctance to share because it seems like there's a reluctance to say, look, I have an opinion, because they're afraid the opinion might offend somebody and therefore, you know, put them at a disadvantage somehow. And it's, and it's really the opposite is what we're finding out. It's, it's the lack of opinion. Not necessarily what your opinion is, but the lack of opinion that really becomes a disadvantage.
2: Yeah. And I, I can appreciate that. I think, you know, probably early on in my career, I I suffered from that as well, that I, I felt too much so that I needed to be more of a chameleon than somebody with a point of view. And I think the key is to have a point of view, but that it, it's an informed point of view and it's an evolving point of view. Mm-hmm. And the reason to put opinions out there is you're trying to create discussions and you're trying to get people to think and you're trying to engage and if there is no edge or even controversy there's there's nothing for anyone to to hang on to and engage with so i think actually having a strong opinion and point of view is actually helpful in the sales field and again as long as it's a it's an informed and evolving point of view and one that can handle, tolerate, and maybe, and and most importantly, encourage feedback and dialog
1: Mm-hmm. Now, do you, what sort of metrics do you use then with your team relative to their sharing and their engagement?
2: I have not been good here as of yet in terms of measuring that. Um, It'd be a great, and maybe there are tools out there that make it easier to measure and pull it into Salesforce so it's an easy thing for me to look at. I don't know of any right now. I, I, It's been on my mind to do it. Uh, I, most of them are anecdotal, and I just know the people that I see are most active on LinkedIn and Twitter, not coincidentally, tend to be uh, my top performers.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, do you
2: know of anything, Andy? I'm I'm just because the question I've been thinking about this for some time. Do you know how other people are doing it in terms of measuring social activity? What's, what's what are what are good tools or ways to do that? I'm I'm curious about that topic.
1: Well, yeah, as am I, and maybe we'll get some feedback from the audience because I've I look at tools all the time, but they seem to be they're not really management tools, right? I mean, there's lots of tools that that provide. Um, you know, customer information or a prospect information for you, right? They'll integrate with Gmail or whatever email platform you have. That, you know, like Nimble and others that that um, you know provide all the social activity that give you a tool to engage. But I don't um, I don't know of one offhand that gives managers the sort of the dashboard to look at what their team is doing. Uh, maybe Hootsuite does. You know, as an overview, you might be able to do that. Um, but I don't know. That'd be a good question for people to to write in and tell us what they found.
2: You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, um, do you know IFTTT?
1: Yes, yes. If this, then that, yeah. If
2: this, than that. And it allows you to create your own connectors. Mm -hmm. So one could be, if if XYZ rep posts something on Twitter, I I don't know, like I'd like to have it logged in Salesforce. Send a I don't know. There, there's probably some connector that I could look at or create, maybe even an IFTTT that would, maybe, be a bit. It's not more manual, but I would have to put it together. But like you said, I'm 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 really curious for people's ideas around that because it's it's an area that I'm I'm acutely interested in.
1: Yeah. Well, again, we'll leave that out there. So if people listening to this have a an idea about a tool that they use that's useful for this for a manager really to be able to have the visibility into. How their sales reps, their sales team is sharing. Um, yeah, send me an email to Andy at zerotime selling and we'll put that out on the next show, and we'll talk about it. All right, we're That'd gonna be take great. Sh- yeah, we'll be great. We'll take a short break. Uh, speaking of breaks, we'll talk a- take a short break. We'll be right back with Bridget Gleason. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune five hundred companies to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect & Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect & Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect & Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, welcome back to Frontline Friday with Andy and Bridget. Bridget, we we're just talking about building a platform, sales reps and what they should be doing about about that we talked about LinkedIn, don't have a resume, have content in there. And you've talked about it. you have a library of content that's being developed at your company that they can go into and they can pull from and are they actively sharing that content on LinkedIn?
2: Yes, uh, there's and there's two ways that we've sort of encouraged that. Marketing sends out regular emails with content that they encourage us to share that's relevant. That um, that they've they found either articles and blog posts that we've co-authored or published or webinars that we're pr- participating in. As well as just industry news that might be um, interesting to our prospects and customers, and so they send um, an email every couple of days, at least once a week, with suggested tweets, suggested uh, LinkedIn posts as well, and that's been super helpful because it keeps it top of mind. So mm-hmm. we're we're pushing it out, as well as having a central repository where we keep the information. So I found the combination of the two is helpful. One is just encouraging people as sort of part of their routine and practice to share. And then the other is more of a just in time. Gosh, I I'm really going after this gaming vertical. What do I what's in the in the sales central, we call it? What's in sales central that maybe has some interesting articles or webinars that I can post and talk about? Hmm.
1: Very interesting. All right, I'm gonna switch direction a little bit. So another part of the book that I thought was really interesting. Jim talked about, and it struck a chord with me. Is is basically the idea that too much value is placed by employers on hiring people that have a degree, right? That's the certification is more important than necessarily who they are and what they know. You know, because the two aren't always equivalent, right? Just because they have a degree doesn't mean they know anything. So let me ask you a question. I mean, I, is that like a baseline requirement for you? Somebody needs to, when you're hiring a sales rep. Somebody needs to have a college degree.
2: Well, I would say it's something that I look at, and I'm I understand Kenan's point on that, and I I agree with him in principle that it's it's not a black or white. That there are there are a lot of people that maybe don't have a degree that are super talented and should be considered. There are people that maybe went to a uh, let's say lesser school. Um, quali- qualify that however you want. That uh, people <laughs> should, should, might they, should that. I ask where you went? I, I'm very proud of where I went. I went to UCLA. That's so good school. It well, and it was in the as a slight tr- um, digression. It was in the. I only applied to one school. Wow. so wow Com- how things confident
1: how confident you are I
2: was confident I, I knew I'd get in but it things have changed today I would not have that same strategy today
1: no no, no. so
2: so back to back to Keenan though I, I i i have a i will admit I have a very strong bias towards people who've completed a four year de- uh, college education mm-hmm. and it's not the only requirement, but it does, to me, signal uh, stick-to-itiveness. It signals a – people – being a generalist is not for everyone, but there's something about going through just somewhat of the, the rigor and the pace and w- working with other people. There, there are things about deadlines, being able to meet deadlines – that I think school is useful for, so it's not everything. But I have I have a strong bias towards uh, a four year degree. What about you?
1: Well, I mean it's it's a it's a great question because I I um, you know having read the book had to think about it because it's been my feeling for a, a, quite a while that we've have too many people going to college, right? It's, I mean compared to when I went to school, you know, higher fraction of. A much higher fraction of high school seniors go to college now than did before, and we sort of have this this uh, scenario. I think in many cases, where like even to get you know, entry level admin jobs, you have to have a four year degree. You know, it used to be you went to college because you were on sort of a certain professional track, and you really needed that education. You know, may have developed critical thinking skills or whatever, but but now it's like it's become the baseline for almost every job <laughs> in an organization. Starts with a college degree. And to me, it seems like overkill. But I also, you know, there was a comment Jim had in his book, a quote from an executive at Google talking about, you know, they work really hard to try to find the best person regardless of that piece of paper. And, you know, it makes you wonder whether we, we really are sort of circumscribing a pool of available candidates perhaps who could really do a good job at being an SDR. I mean, what is it about being a sales development rep? You just say, hey, that four-year degree is really essential
2: yeah this one really makes me I have to think about this one because as I said I have a strong bias towards a four-year degree and you know I think education is such a privilege but um,
1: well, there are lots of ways to learn right
2: I mean lots, I mean that's the thing if you could
1: measure be- what somebody knows as you're looking at you know hiring somebody you know what are the things that somebody really needs to know that you want to have and especially since you do hire you know, SDRs are more entry-level as well as AEs that are more senior. But let's say for the SDR, what, what does someone really know need to know is you know how much that really and their ability to succeed is really tied to
2: to having that degree? Well, and for me, it's not as much what someone knows. It's their capacity to learn. And how do they how do they learn? And are they, like I said earlier, are they aggressive learners? And
1: so, I mean, give you an example, let's say you had somebody that, uh, you know, left high school but went to work for a company right away, and maybe they had a little bit of sales experience, but maybe they were an avid reader about sales. So, they come in, interview, and they said yeah, basically, they've read every book in the library, right? I'd hire
2: them on the spot. Yeah. I'd them on the spot.
1: As opposed to somebody that, you know, came out of college and hadn't done that.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I guess I think, though, Andy, that the example you gave is is more the exception rather than the rule. And I don't know, this is a, this is a, this is a great topic. I, I'm, I'm struggling a bit because I, it's, it's challenging, it's challenging a, a, a sort of core requirement that I've had that I want to think about. Yeah. Because I think- like I said, in the, in your example, I'd hire that person. I've hired people like that. So it's, it's, I'm not so rigid that I would rule them out, but they would have to demonstrate to me they'd have to demonstrate that they're whatever way it is that they're an aggressive learner that they're curious that they have follow through that they're committed that they're disciplined some of these things that first of all a college degree does not necessarily indicate that in all situations mm-hmm. but it's but it's a, it's a decent proxy it's yeah, yeah i think I mean, yeah
1: it's it's an interesting topic and so it certainly caused me to think as is, is cuz you you know, maybe again, maybe we're we need to open additional paths into this career that people have, sales, which we think is a great career. Because we put this sort of artificial block that's saying, hey, um, you know, you need to have college education. And at some point, you know, college was about the only way to learn, but now with the internet, lots of ways to learn. Right? As you said, if you can find somebody that hasn't doesn't have a degree but can show you that they're a committed learner, then to me they you know it's a valid candidate we really want to look you'd really want to look at and maybe that opens a path to getting more people applying that maybe have skills that we just have overlooked in the past
2: well this makes me think andy um, i started a company gosh it was maybe 15 years ago and my basic premise was it's it's funny this is sort of coming full circle was that there were a lot of really talented individuals that were at junior colleges or, let's say, a lesser college in Silicon Valley, and they didn't have the same opportunities as people that were graduating from Berkeley or Stanford or some of these other other colleges, particularly in, in technical fields. And this was pre... Um, you know, a lot of the job boards and Craigslist Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. ways that you're able to connect people. And I would go to these college campuses and I would recruit for smart people. But just for a variety of reasons, it could be financial, it could be language, a variety of reasons. We're super talented and I would place them into technology companies. Because I knew you get your first, you, you get your foot in the door and then they're set. So... I have a. I, I guess I have somewhat of a bias also in, in terms of helping people that, for one reason or another, didn't take a traditional route, but shouldn't be overlooked. And I guess I just have to open that up to, uh, what I'm doing now and in the sales realm. And there's probably an equivalent. Um, there's probably an equivalent in my world right now.
1: Yeah. Well, I, well, I think where those topics sort are of tie back in together as we talked about is. You know, one of the ways that you make yourself available to, you know, prospective employers like yourself, if let's say if you haven't gone the traditional route in terms of getting the college degree, is build your platform, right? Show that you're interested, show that you care, show that you have some insight into the business, and there's lots of ways to do that, right? I mean, one of the things could be, and to me, this is one of the most overlooked ways that prospective new hires could... uh, You know, sort of make themselves known is comment on the blogs. You know, if you're if you think you're interested in working for a specific company or a specific industry, then you know the relevant LinkedIn discussion group, if it is for that industry, get in there and start participating in the conversation or comment on a company's blog if it's a company you might be interested in working for. If you have something that you think is relevant to say, engage.
2: I I agree, and it could be it could be a comment. It could also be a question.
1: Or question. Ask questions.
2: Absolutely. Ask questions. Help me Oh, good
1: that. Good questions are insightful is a good comment.
2: I t- 100% agree.
1: Yeah, so I mean, that's, I just think that, that, you know, put that out there for people listening is that there's no reason to think that, you know, if, let's say there's 30% of high school seniors go on to get their degrees. There's really no logical reason, I think, to believe that that is the full universe of people that could be great. Employees are great salespeople for your company, right? Why? Why choose from just a small piece of the pool when there's a much bigger pool out there? Because there's a lot of reasons why people don't necessarily, you know, move on to college, and so we sort of have to say, okay, well, how do we how do we define what we're doing in such a way that that we open ourselves up to the possibility of finding more of those people?
2: Yeah, and I I'll admit, Andy, I don't I don't get a lot of uh, resumes from people that that. That don't have a college degree, and I don't know, I don't know why that is. I don't know if they're getting screened out before I even see well, them. Oh, I'm sure,
1: I'm sure they are, and I'm sure most job descriptions say they don't yeah, say they true. don't say BA required, but they'll say BA preferred or BS preferred or something, right?
2: Or they may say or they may say required. So I'll I'll I do, when after you made that comment, I, I'm sure on our job postings it it says four year degree required. So. I was just curious as to are there a lot of people out there that haven't gone the traditional route of a formal, very expensive, um, often out of reach now, college education um, that would be interested that we're overlooking? It's, this is a great discussion because I like when my own biases are challenged and makes me think differently
1: yeah good well I, mean, I think that and I think part of the thing with the and I'm glad to provide that service for you is that I think that you know part of the discussion too relates a little bit around you know age and maturity, right? Because you're not going to hire somebody right out of high school to do an SDR job, so somebody may not need a degree, but what is it that you'd want them to have done, right Because yeah, I, I mean I think ideally I mean I, I look back on my, the beginning of my sales career. And I was selling things as you were, they're relatively expensive pieces of uh, business equipment, you know, up to a quarter million dollars, and I looked like I was fifteen huh. you know and why why did anyone ever buy from me uh yeah you know, it sort of makes me rethink okay well what really what's a good a good entering age even for salespeople, not necessarily based on, on whether you look too young or not but but you know, there's a certain maturity thing, obviously that that goes along. And obviously, I was able to inspire confidence in people, even though I looked like I was Doogie Howser. But
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's funny. But, well, and I think and I think people mature differently. I mean, you made a comment about maturity, and some of it is just maturity. I mean, I I do encounter though people on the sales team who have the the appropriate number of years, but are still mature are immature. Mm-hmm. And that can be at a lot of different ages, and it, it creates problems if if the individual doesn't have an appropriate level of maturity. So, I mean, to an earlier example that you gave, somebody that maybe out of high school started working and an aggressive learner but was, you know, held down a job. And there's some of that that would demonstrate some maturity um, that I think is important to have it's important to have in the workforce.
1: Okay, so you're going to go look at your job I'm descriptions. Okay. And let's see. the last time we talked about it, you are going to think about this idea of setting aside 20 minutes a day for active learning during the workday. Did you discuss that with anybody?
2: Well, we have our, uh, I have a manager off-site next week with my uh, sales leaders and that is on the agenda. Oh, excellent.
1: Excellent. Well, you're going to have to give us a report back. Definitely. Yeah, when we when we meet next, or whenever one of the episodes that comes up. So, any other things for today?
2: I think that's a great topic. You've given me great food for thought today, Andy, and I'm really looking forward to reading Keenan's book, Not Taught, um, and that's available. I'm I'm assuming his website, Amazon, etc.
1: Yeah, through Amazon and probably his. I think he has a, a website, Not Taught, T-A-U-G-H-T.com. And uh, you can, I think, pick it up there, but it probably takes you to Amazon to buy it.
2: Perfect. I'll look forward to getting it.
1: Good. Well, thank you again for being with me today, my guest Bridget Gleason. Every Friday on Frontline Fridays, I appreciate everybody else who's tuned in and listened to us. And awesome. So, yeah. Everybody,
2: have a great, have a great Friday and end of week.
1: Yeah, and a great weekend. So, until next time, this is Andy Paul and
2: Bridget Gleason.
1: Good selling, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.
0: Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.